Sometimes when the Dharma comes, it's quiet. (laughs) So to have, uh, other times we need something more heroic, like you were talking about when, um, well that, actually that's, I'll get to that part a little bit later too. The, um, you know, it takes a lot of, it can take a lot of energy to get ourselves on the cushion. To get ready to go on a retreat can take a lot of effort to get ready to go. Can you turn the mic into your face instead of away from your face? That's, what? That's not the mic. That's not the mic. Oh, okay. yeah. I'm sorry. I was looking so at you're having trouble hearing me? Yeah, your voice seems very soft. Yeah. I can actually turn this up. Just, yeah. it's okay. Start talking. No, that's not the no, mic. That's no. okay. Are you able to hear me? I'm not sure you're coming through here. Let's see. Can you hear me? I'm hearing you. Okay. So I, you must be. It's the other one. It's, yeah, it's the amplification. Yeah. I thought the volume as high as it goes. It doesn't go any higher. Try speaking again. How's, how's that? I'm Eileen, and I'm new at giving talks, so thank you for your patience. <laughs> so it's been a delight for me. I love, I've been mentoring a couple of years, but I haven't been given any of the talks, and I just love it. I just love being with you guys. So the two kinds of effort that we make, heroic and vengeance. Um, the, you know, it can take a lot of effort to stay upright. You know, sometimes it can be just real gentle. Uh, I kind of like to give um, a real-life example of um, needing to make heroic effort. Because I think it's important, and it can be wise, to make heroic effort. Um, I remember when my children were young, um, I wanted them to learn how to get themselves up uh, by themselves to go to school. I had this habit of waking them up and making sure that they were on time. And this was a strong habit in me. For some reason, I learned that you can't be late, and you know, I would you know, be hard on myself if I was late. And I didn't want to pass that on to my kids. And um, so it took some heroic effort for me, and working with them in a gentle way, of teaching them how to learn for themselves what is beneficial on how they want to arrive at places. And so literally I would, so they had alarm clocks and things like that, but I'd be sitting in the, in the you know, the dining room waiting for them to wake up. And I literally would just kind of sit on my hands mm-hmm. and not give in to that, that pull to, to go and make sure that they would be on time. And I w- it was very clear in my mind that this was a good thing to do. So, to, so I had this commitment, and I just stayed with it. 
And um, just like in my meditation practice, um, I can I can set a resolve to learn the skill of staying with the breath, and uh, sometimes just over and over. Um, so that's and then the the light yeah, with the light touch, you know, when the mind just kind of drifts away, I can gently bring it back. There are times in my meditation where it just flows that way, um, and so that's those kinds of effort, gentle and heroic. But then what happens when um, how we apply ourselves is not very skillful? And so when we're lax, you know, our mind can drift and we can just go into that daydream and enjoy it and not and forget about making effort to come back to the breath. And in that kind of lax, you know, we're, we're as Kim mentioned, we're strengthening that um, desire. You know, that desire for to just go with our whims. But whatever our desires are, we're not being wise about how we're choosing to use, make our effort. And then at other times, you know, we can um, be, you know, striving, trying to figure out what's going on, uh, being very tense, holding on with an iron grip. And um, these are very unpleasant states, you know, just painful. And um, I find that a lot of times in my daily life, it was a lot easier to, to, to have the more wise effort, you know, because, you know, my life would be busy and I'd sit down and, and everything would just kind of nicely settle in 45 minutes and I'd be up and I'd, I'd go on my way. But when I sit on retreat and I'm sitting... So in the beginning part, the settledness happens, and then those latent tendencies kind of creep up into the surface, and you know that the body can hurt, and and that's when some of these over-efforting things kind of happen, and um, it's taken me years sitting with some of those very difficult, striving things, and when you sit with it for three days in a row. It's, um, you really feel the impact of the suffering, and at some point it's like, enough already. And it just kind of lets go. I mean, there's no way, I knew it wasn't, I knew I was hanging on, but there was no way I could make it just go. Um, and, or the other way that Kim mentioned, you know, sometimes you can get up and go for a walk and not think about it, and all of a sudden this little being, just kind of, it's not there anymore. For some reason it's not there anymore. But that's the, you know, I like that that's the the good news about the practice, is that it's kind of self, um, you know when you're off track. And um, and we learn through making mistakes. You know, I think that's the only way I get it, is by learning, you know, what's not working. And then, okay, um, the... And I think, see, I wanted to say, it can be very difficult to understand what what our motivations are or what what belief is operating. Like with with the example with my um, with my children, you know, it was very clear. I had a very clear idea that this was going to be a skillful thing to do. 
But there are a lot of times that I have some belief system that I don't, that I believe in, but it's not, it's not skillful. And so that's when my meditation is going to go more in the, the direction of the suffering. Um, and, and then when something breaks, I can see. Or if I sit with something long enough, it, it becomes clear <coughs> what, what is not helpful. And then that kind of lets go. And so that's a little bit about how we are with making effort. Then we can look at our energy level as well, because effort and energy, what the relationship with that is. You know, when um, you know when sitting with with some of these more difficult states, our energy gets lower, and we get depleted, which then makes it harder to to stay with something. Um, so looking at our, or if we're tired and we're sitting, it's going to affect our, our uh, meditation practice. But then there are also things that come into play, like mindfulness and some of these other mental states that actually um, don't deplete our energy. I know working as a chaplain, you know, when I meet somebody suffering, if compassion is present, it actually feels, it's kind of hard to believe, but it feels more joyous anyway, because there's, it's such an intimate connection, even though the suffering is there. But when compassion is there, it doesn't deplete my energy at all. It's when I'm um, contracting around it, or I think it should be different, or I think I should fix it, or I'm striving for something. That's when my energy level is going to get depleted. And, and the other thing that I notice is that since this is definitely a skill that we're learning, um, you know, we have these habits that are automatic, but some of these skillful things end up becoming automatic, too, so that we can actually, getting back to the uh, kayak, um, you know, we can go through rapids, and actually the skills are just more automatic, and, and it can just be a gentle way of uh, adjusting. Um, so, the, so this practice also then develops the flexibility of mind to be able to go from one, um, if, if, if something difficult all of a sudden shows up when you're joyous, you know, these, these, these newer habits can kind of kick in and you can make that change and meet that with a little bit more skill. And I think, um, it can affect our decision making, you know, when we're we're a little off off kilter and our energy is depleted. In in um, noticing what might be a, a, a skillful effort to make, um, and um, like if we're we're sitting with overwhelm, you know, it, it can be. Or even if we're out in the world and all of a sudden um, something's happening and we're overwhelmed. You know, it can it be a little bit more reactive with people, and our emotional life can kind of flare up if uh, our decision making isn't isn't uh, um, right there because of our energy level. We're caught in some of these negative states, uh, and this and I think you know you mentioned mindfulness. I think mindfulness is also very powerful in helping us make these decisions on what's skillful and not skillful. I notice that for myself, when there's conflict, um, 
I know I would get caught when somebody would all of a sudden get angry, and I don't even know why. But if my mindfulness was there and present, then I would remember what was said and um, not get totally overwhelmed when somebody's reactivity was there. So these are some of the you know, automatic things that we're trying to learn. And what, what, if I could remember what was said, then it was a lot easier for me to meet what was happening in that particular moment. Okay, so we're learning how to self-monitor ourselves to know what's happening directly in the moment with this practice. And as, and I think that developing a lot of these qualities um, happen kind of naturally the more we engage. I was on retreat working as a, in a service position in the kitchen, and um, I had skills in being mindful and working with people available, you know, and that was going very smoothly and it was very joyous. And I recognized that when I went to then go sit in some of these other difficult um, conditions would arise, like fear. I, it was so much easier for me to meet that when I had the recollection of joy or gladdening the mind in meeting some more of these difficult states. And that just sort of naturally kind of happened. The more, I, the more I practice, the more retreats that I do. So we, we just, over time, we become more sensitive on how we apply ourselves. And, um, and then it's only up to us for us to decide which is wise. You know, we can develop all these practices, but you're the one that's in there and you have this particular conditioning that crops up. So it's trial and error, you know, bit by bit. Um, I know I didn't, you know, I would be really hard on myself when I would make mistakes. And, and I think that was one of the... Uh, nicest things, you know, coming to Buddhism, you know, it's like, oh, you can relax about making mistakes. Or be easy with yourself. Um, so I think the last thing that I wanted to talk about was when effort becomes balanced. And, you know, effortless. It can become effortless. And the, um, as we engage, you know, other faculties get developed. So I'm glad I'm bringing up another list that Kim didn't bring up. So, yeah. <laughs> and that's the five faculties. And um, so, um, you know, faith is the first one. And I think the faith or our confidence in our practice, when it gets strong, it, it, can, it can overcome doubt or uncertainty, not knowing which is beneficial. I mean, there are times, like I was just listening to somebody who has a lot of um, uh, partner, boyfriend fantasies that keep coming. And, and she was telling me that, you know, in one meditation, she just kind of stayed with the breath. And, and I could see that she was really collected, and it looked like it was really powerful, but she said those fantasies just keep coming back. And she felt like it, maybe she should go into it instead of, building the capacity to stay in the present moment. So I can't decide. You have to kind of decide for yourself, which, because sometimes it's appropriate to go in and get different understanding, but that's the trial and error part. Uh, the art, 
it's the art that you're developing. So, so the faith, um, you know, the more confirmed confidence we have, you know, the stronger our capacity to let go of the hindrance of doubt comes into play. And we can make a firmer commitment. Um, I know my practice really changed um, when I think my confidence got stronger. You know, I practiced, I didn't used to practice every day, you know, and, and when I started feeling these, some of these benefits, it was easy for me to get have a daily practice, easy for me to go on, easier for me to go on retreats. So the next on the list is, is the effort, um, and that overcomes the laziness and the inertia, you know, and um, not just going with, with all of our desires. And mindfulness is the next one on the list, and that uh, overcomes the heedlessness and not really paying attention, like my example of when somebody was very reactive, I remember what was actually happening um, directly, what was going on. And it was a little easier to respond in a, in a healthier way. And then concentration and I, is the next one on the list. And that one overcomes, I think, the agitation and fear. Some of those deeper things that are a little more difficult to stay present for. Um, and um, to, to watch the arising and the passing. So that um, gets developed over time, naturally, as we practice. And um, then the last one of the five faculties is wisdom. And that overcomes you know, lack of understanding. You know, and it's easier than to actually take action, wise action, in the world. You know, it would be easy if my mindfulness is st- A lot of these capacities are available. Um, it's a little easier to step in a situation that I might not want to, um, that might stir some conflict. It, it gives me a little bit more capacity to meet things that are difficult. So, um, so I don't know, I don't have a whole lot more to say. You know, I think, you know, the, a purified heart is the most important thing. And, uh, but we do have these beliefs that some other things are important. Doing this practice helps bring the light, you know, what some of those are, so that we can let them go. So that's all I have to say. Any questions? Can you say more about how concentration overcomes fear? For me, um, twofold for me on that one is... um, The mind is a little bit more settled, so it's a lot easier to see what is directly happening. Uh, it gives me more, inner, you know, the um, to drop into more of the subtle watching, so that I can see when um, things arise and pass. And a lot of times, if if I would believe that the fear is like this iron grip, but when I see it come and go, as Kim mentioned. It's a little easier to not get attached to it. So that's something. How's that yeah. different than being mindful? It's it's the level of mindfulness, I think. They, they kind of work together. And the mind is quiet and not agitated. Uh, and not, um, it, there's more of a continuity of mindfulness that happens when concentration is there. Uh, that, uh, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I would also just add it's kind of uh, chicken and egg because in order to reach a state of concentration, you really kind of dealt effectively with the hindrances to reach a deeper state of concentration. And so in a sense, part of what gives you that fruit of, Mm -hmm. of the less fear is also the concentration has involved learning skills and practicing dealing effectively with the hindrances or you don't get to real deep states of concentration so yeah. it's kind of like whoa to get there I did some other good stuff I might have been doing it for this purpose but it got me this great side effect or yes and I Thank think you. and I think yeah and I think that um, if the mind is concentrated and clear and bright and calm and the hindrances are kind of set aside. And then when that fades and the hindrance kind of comes back to the surface, you can see it come back to the surface. And when you can see it more clearly, it's a little easier to understand what's going on. So I think it's the coming out and going into concentration that I think it can be quite powerful as well. Thank you. You also said when you, when you were talking about concentration, you also said concentration overcomes fear and... And anxiety can you know those are education. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, some of those deeper, subtler. Because I found that um, the quieter I get, there's still this subtle. Even if I'm concentrated, there's still some subtle things that I have to get quieter, quieter to see that are always operating. You know, feel like they're always operating. Anything else? No. Else. Yeah. My question is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, to, I, I guess it's more fundamental. <laughs> um, you did touch on mind drifting, mm-hmm. right? So I have had this doubt for the longest time, which is if my mind is drifting, drifting. One, going into my breath, or two, my mind may be drifting because I need to reflect or contemplate a situation. So this is the kind of where the time for dissecting a little and get into the root of my problem, which would be my reflective time, right? So do I live, do I live that time during my sitting time or, or, or not? In this sitting time, I always have to be quiet in the mind and basically concentrate on my breath and that's it? Am I explaining myself? Yes, yes. Um, did everybody hear the question? Mm-hmm. For me, I would I tend to do reflection outside, and I try and keep meditation uh, practice about. But there is a time for investigation. It's a little different than doing a lot of reflecting. You know, it's it's, it's a little bit more subtle, like you know, dropping in a question, "What's going on here?" and then allowing something to to kind of come to the surface. But some of those other reflectings, I think, doing it outside of meditation is where I would do some of the reflection. Something? I would agree. Okay. Yeah. I would do that a lot in meditation. Um, 
you know, a while ago until it dawned on me, wait a minute, you know, I want to develop some of these skills of being in the present moment so that I can see clearly what's going on. And it doesn't mean reflection is not powerful. Um, I think it's very powerful. A lot of times, coming out of retreat, um, where my mind has been clear, and I go back into the world, I'll see a conversation that come up. And it's like, oh, I understand it now, you know, because my mind is a little clearer to see what's going on. Or I'll reflect on something somebody said coming out of a retreat. It's, it's very powerful. I've had an experience where I've gone on a retreat sometimes and it felt like I was over-efforting, like over-striving. Can you maybe uh, talk about maybe some of the signs of when somebody might be over-striving in a retreat setting? I, I kind of turn and look to what it feels like in the body. Um, if I'm over-efforting, you know, my shoulders are up. I'm leaning forward, you know, trying to move forward or look at something. So I kind of check my posture. If, if I'm under sitting, I can kind of be slumping. So those are some of the signs I look for when, um, usually, yeah, I feel it in the body, you know, it's, it's painful, you know. And then a lot of times, you know, turning, turning towards that pain if it's there and just being real gentle with it and allowing it to be okay to be there as well is another way of meeting it. Another thing that um, I've seen on retreat is when the um, the body gets tight and the mind gets tight in a certain way. I'm remembering a story that um, Gil tells where he said he went on retreat and he couldn't figure out why nothing was working for him. For about the first two days of the retreat, he was trying so hard and um, but he couldn't get concentrated, he couldn't sit, he wasn't happy. And then he finally realized that um, he was angry, and he had not acknowledged that. And as soon as he acknowledged that he was angry, he says, that's when the retreat started for me. So sometimes over-efforting, this tightness of mind, excludes important things in our awareness that if we acknowledge them, um, everything becomes a lot easier. Sometimes we can also take a moment, even if we're not sure whether we're over-efforting or not, we can take a moment to ask, what might I not be seeing in my mind right now? Just like widen out for a moment and see if there's anything that's missing that can help a lot. Because he sort of didn't want to see that anger, and so he was trying to effort on the cushion because he didn't want to be with that. Does that help? And, and sometimes, you know, asking a question, just kind of dropping a question, what's going on here, can bring to the surface something like that, some emotion that's going on. Okay, all right, so breakout groups. So we can do another breakout group, and three, three or four, I think, let's, let's be breaking out groups of three or four. Yeah. Same, different. Um... 
different. Yeah, different folks, if you can. It doesn't have to be every single person different in the group. But, uh. All right, <laughs> Do we want to move over there with her? Go ahead. Okay, so um, for this for this exercise, so for this exercise, it would be nice if you would say something and then have the next person say something and kind of go around a couple of times. I like doing it this way because I think we we get triggered by what somebody says and oh, I thought of another another thing. Uh, because these, the next two questions, I'd like to to have you guys step out of here. What things are working in our practice? Because I don't think we celebrate those enough. Um, I don't think we realize how wise we are, and uh, it's kind of cool. So for this first question, um, since you've already talked about um, experiences of making effort that's helpful, um, see if you can talk about how it feels. To make skillful to effort. To make skillful effort. In your body, basically. Yeah. What does it feel like? We're going to write poems with all the words that you come up with. question is, what resources do you tap into in arousing wholesome states, and how do you nurture them? Can you repeat it? Sure. What resources do you tap into in arousing wholesome states, and how do you nurture them? Can you see them? 
we can come back to the larger group. Thank you. So with these three questions, you know, with uh, making um, skillful effort and how it feels, um, what resources do we tap into in arousing wholesome states, and how do we nurture them? And then the last question about how do we recognize wholesome states. Does anybody want to contribute something to the larger circle about those questions? What came up? Thank you for posing those questions because it was such a delight to sit and reflect on how beautiful practice can be. And you're all just really positive and happy to think about it. Great. That's great. Are you going to post those or did they come to our email, those questions? We could email them. Yeah, that would be nice. Okay. I was just telling Kim that I was recently um, in a group of social workers and um, it was so powerful for me to, they would bring in a lot of issues they were having and meeting clients and the wisdom in the room was, we did kind of the roundabout and it was so powerful for them to recognize that um, what they're doing, first of all, is extremely difficult and the support that they got from hearing what was working and what other people found to work. That was so supporting. Uh, it was quite rich. This is what I feel some of this does here. Anything else? Okay, I can share. So the first question was, how does it feel? Mm-hmm. For me, uh, I, I felt a winner, like a winner, mm-hmm. that I could do it. So that also gave me, gives me the, um, not only the hope, but the, the security that I can do it. So I can try it again and kind of make some progress. Yeah, that's the, the faith element, the confirmed confidence. Yes, yeah. exactly, that's yeah. the word, confidence. Yeah. And that just keeps getting stronger and stronger as we practice. Again, I would just comment that it's so much an experience of the body for me, and what's really worked well for me about that is when I notice a few little glimmers of those body sensations, I can allow them to kind of grow, and that actually seems to help deepen the more wholesome state. 
And so the, the deeper kind of body awareness for me, without even having a, a label for it, it just it's like a light that just starts glowing and warming. And I, I'm kind of a better person coming from that place. Yeah. Um, but it isn't real analytic. And that just, I, for me, who could be super analytic and too much so, that's just a delight. I think, you know, your question about reflection, I think having reflective practices about, I know there was like a year, I think, every uh, before I went to bed, I would ask the question, where did I feel joy today? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, you know, questions like that, because when it's more, we can recollect it more, we can bring that wisdom into our practice. Yeah, and sometimes I'll I'll use uh, this con- this contrast, like how I re- remember myself before, and then how I remember myself now after more practice, or even sometimes earlier in the day before meta practice, and then after the day <laughs> after a good meta practice, mm-hmm. and it's like whoa, there it is, right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, that's powerful. That's, it gets back to your, your point in the beginning, you know, that thank goodness we have a practice. And, mm-hmm. and that's enough, you know, to continually engage. Mm-hmm. On the resources that we use, we've um, had brought up a number of reflections, you know, um, could be remembering the um, three jewels or to think of meta, all the different you know, items that are available to us, joy, meta, um, funny, uh, um, compassion and just just to reflect on all those things um, can be a resource to help us into better effort, yeah. wise effort. Yeah, I think one thing that we also didn't bring up is that I think sometimes if we get a good night's sleep, <laughs> you know? I, I was just <laughs> say, basic physical self-care. Yeah. Show up, you know, with plenty of time, you know, mm-hmm. some of those things can be very supportive. subject, but about 50 years ago, I was going to visit a a Zen master, and I could feel the love about 10 feet, even though the door was closed. It was palpable. (laughs) You just feel the love and compassion. And when I was in the presence of the Zen master, it was like, I was just being there with myself and I just started crying because it was like I realized, I recognized how mentally I had just created all the suffering for myself and he was just, he was just there, right, for me, just that sense of presence. And that's also the other part of faith in a way because we have, um, it, it, we can see that the, the potential, you know, we meet well, somebody yeah, like and that so that's in the, the motivation. aspiration. 50 and years later, I'm doing this, yeah. right? I know it's like, well, yeah. whatever that guy's got, yeah. I want, right? That's, I mean, wow, that's cool. That's how I came to the practice yeah. as well, yeah. yeah. And then over time, we get the confirmed internal yeah. practice, you know, faith. Right. Yeah. 
right. that gets developed. Yeah. yeah, it's very inspirational. To, yeah. Some states feel, I feel calmer. Like I just don't, like I can, I can feel my mind just slowing down, and I don't have that internal conversation. Whatever it is, I can take both sides, you know, many sides, and and that can go. And so when that isn't happening, and I feel, you know, I feel just calm, and my body doesn't feel. My heart's not beating. I don't feel anything in my stomach. <coughs> you know, it just feels easy to recognize. <laughs> not so. It's kind of I would call a no-brainer, you know, for me. Yeah, yeah I mean, this, this this work is for us to be happy, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and, uh, and ease and peaceful. Are there any questions? Well, it's not, it's not totally a question, but um, you need to, I think this means skillful, skillful effort has to also be like assessing how we approach the cushion. Mm-hmm. Um, like if I'm really achy, maybe I want to do some yoga first. If I'm, you know, I mentioned already, if you're really tired, maybe you actually need a nap or you want to do rocky meditation, you know, you have to assess where your body's at, where your mind's at, yeah. and yeah. deal with that appropriately. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, I think I'd like to just add that. Um, this probably this doesn't happen for every kind of mind, but there are some kinds of minds where assessment or you know this kind of evaluation where you check um, what's needed at this moment can can be done a little bit too often, <laughs> and we can make our meditation into kind of an engineering project <laughs> where um, we're manufacturing the best possible moment <laughs> and. Any sense of oh no, I actually got angry there. Oh, it's a failure. My engineering didn't work. So we have to guard also against um, kind of over analyzing. Um, that's part of effort too. It just becomes one more dimension of it. Is am I checking in too often? If we sit on the cushion and we check in every two minutes. Am I still here? What's going on? Should I change my practice? Should I change my posture? Then you're not really meditating. So it's that's another balance point. Sometimes just letting things flow along. And, and things that come up that are unskillful or painful aren't necessarily mistakes because we don't have total control. Yeah. yeah, it's that part where, you know, when do we have to have heroic effort? You know, a lot of times, oh, we need to take a break. I know there were times in my practice where I was meeting something um, very difficult, and I'd go on an interview, and, you know, Gil will say, you should have hung in there longer. <laughs> So learning learning some of those things too. When is it appropriate to hang in there a little bit longer with things that are difficult and when it is appropriate to actually move.
I have a poem I'd like to kind of bring it, and it ends on this happy note. Yeah, I can't emphasize this enough to celebrate the part that works. It's called Why I Wake Early by Mary Oliver. Hello, sun in my face. Hello, you who make the morning and spread it over the fields and into the faces of the tulips and the nodding morning glories and into the windows of even the miserable and the crotchety. Best preacher that ever was, dear star, that just happens to be where you are in the universe, to keep us from ever darkness, to ease us the warm touching, to hold us in the great hands of light. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Watch now how I start the day in happiness and kindness.